0: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Fringes of the Faith podcast. I'm Paul Henderson, administrative pastor at Capstone Church in Fort Worth, Texas. And today I have a very special guest with us on the show. Sitting next to me is Stephanie Williams. How are you doing today, Stephanie?
1: I'm doing great, Paul. How are you?
0: I'm good. Are you having a good week?
1: I'm having a great week.
0: Well, for those that you may not know, you may not come to Capstone, Stephanie is our women's, our family, and our children's minister. In the church, and so you know what's funny is about is something about the topic that you're bringing to the table of fringe today. We actually had someone a couple of months ago, Sonia Benavides, in our church, uh, sent me uh, a request saying, "You guys should talk about the new age movement and how it's infiltrating the Christian church." Ooh! And so the topic that you bring today goes right in line with that. So what are you going to talk about today?
1: I am going to talk about healing crystals Ooh. and a little bit we're going to lead into a little bit of other things too, but we're going to start with healing crystals.
0: Healing crystals. All right, I know that's become a kind of a big thing recently, right?
1: It is. I I cannot walk even walk down a school hallway without seeing Girls with these healing crystals around their neck. I see some people rubbing them on their foreheads before they go in to take a big test. I see them on little babies and uh, other children's wrists and on their necks. It's it's kind of insane how much it's just popped right in there and nobody's even noticed.
0: Yeah, and I haven't noticed, and and uh, not that I'm in any schools anywhere, but you know I haven't noticed them out in public, I guess. Unless you know, I just think they're regular necklaces or whatever, and I don't give a second thought to it. So, let's jump in with both feet. What do you say?
1: Okay, let's do it.
0: All right. Go ahead. Start us off.
1: So, healing crystals are anything that you are going to put on your body or in your space that does something that only God can do, right? Or medicine can do. So, the biggest place you're going to see that is on infants right now on... Strangely enough, is people believe they'll put these Jasper necklaces on their infants, and it heals them from teething pain and stops their fussiness. And it's just wild because, one, they're putting a necklace on their infant, but also they're they're thinking that these stones, these rocks, these crystals, have the effect of taking away pain, soothing the baby's anxiety. The other place that I see them is they're on necklaces, and, and they'll be like little crystal looking things. And they'll just hang there and rest against their shirts or ride against their skin. And what they think the, they're doing is they're taking away anxiety or they're warding off COVID or they're helping them to get smarter or bringing love to them. These are all things that they believe these crystals, these gemstones can do. And like we're going to see in a minute, they do not they don't do what they think they're doing. Hmm.
0: What's interesting is you brought up about... They wear Jasper necklaces to to try to, to help with the fussiness. Okay, don't tell Janae, because she'll start wanting me to wear one.
1: Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, they're readily available, so let's hope she doesn't see the podcast.
0: <laughs> uh, I think there's a pretty good chance she won't. All right, so let's continue.
1: Okay, so when I started noticing all of these crystals and all these necklaces popping up again it's not a new thing but it's definitely something that has cycled back i realized how sinister it is people believe these crystals work in a couple of different ways one way they believe that it works is somehow that there's energy inside the crystal and that energy by placing it on your skin either adds positive energy to their body or takes away negative energy from their body and it's a pseudoscience because crystals if you compress them or gemstones if you compress them hard enough they do produce some electrical currents and and so they say they use that as support for why they think it works the other way they think it works is as they lay the crystals or the gemstones against their clothing or their skin or put them under their pillow or even put them in their bra imagine that it it allows some particles of the crystal to and gemstone to absorb into their skin and give them little micro doses of of these different gemstones into their body. For example, with the with the teething necklaces, they believe that the jasper releases an acid. What it you? You, you have the right pronunciation of that acid. Uh, Sucinic. Sucinic acid. Mm-hmm. And it, they feel like they, the infants get just a little bit, just enough, so that the infant stops being fussy, stops having teething pain. And really, the infant's not getting enough of that acid. That uh, Say it again? Sucinic. Sucinic acid in order to um, have any actual chemical effect on them.
0: And and, and you know that word Sosinic, I actually looked it up, and and it comes from Latin, and and it means amber, which is kind of cool. I mean, it's kind of like a crystal in and of itself or or a gemstone. It could be. I mean, it's got the color of amber anyway. just thought I'd pop that in there uh, for no reason.
1: Yeah. Well what's interesting, when you start looking at these words for these gemstones, these crystals and scripture, what you're gonna see as they pass through different languages and different times in history, they start taking on different connotations or slightly different meanings. So it could be that what was called what what we're thinking of as amber Mm -hmm. and jasper is it it's might be the same stone. They might not have actually considered amber as a resin that trapped insects in it and and so it could...
0: So they maybe thought that that was some kind of a stone in and of itself. Yes, yes, okay, gotcha. exactly. All right. Exactly.
1: Cool. And so when people look to begin using these gemstones for healing purposes or to get rid of baby's teething pain, there's this idea that these crystals will start finding you if you want to find them.
0: So if you go looking for crystals, somehow they're going to Come find Come looking you. for you. That sounds... Uh, just like demons, too.
1: It does. It does.
0: Wow. Which, so, hmm. which brings us
1: to the next thing. If we if we go back in time, the places that you're going to see these crystals start being used is Egypt, Mesopotamia, India, China. And the reason you're seeing them there is because they're enmeshed in pagan philosophies. They're enmeshed in some of these... Um, Not Christian, I guess is a good way to put it.
0: Polytheistic, maybe. Polytheistic
1: religions. And they've been there for a very long time. So we start having to ask, why are they there?
0: That's interesting, um, because we've done episodes on fallen angels and the Nephilim and the fall of Lucifer. and, And we all know that Lucifer had been covered in gemstones. So that's that's pretty interesting. You think there's a connection there?
1: Oh yeah, I definitely do. If you look in Ezekiel 28 and it just starts to beginning to describe Satan and his fall in the garden, it starts out by saying that he was covered in these precious gemstones and that he was he had the seal of perfection on him. Mm and that he would move between these uh, fiery stones on the mountain of God, mm-hmm. and, and he had all wisdom in him. He, he was righteous, and he was made righteous and perfect at the beginning, and, and that lasted all the way until sin was found on him. And when sin was found on him, when unrighteousness was found on him, God came, and, and he took the fire and— or, or, the way I see it is he he somehow used that fire and Satan was hit with it and was turned to ash and he would and, and then he was cast down and I think that's so important because if he was covered in these gemstones and these and and he was turned to ash and cast to the ground, that's where gemstones come from now.
0: Oh, that's a crazy thought. Wow, pretty yeah. cool connection
1: yeah mm. it's it's a crazy cool connection.
0: Yeah, and we talked about fallen angels and how in the book of Enoch that he listed, Enoch listed angels who taught humans uh, the, um, what do they call it, antimony. Mm. Antimony, which is the putting on of makeup, and metallurgy and alchemy, which is mixing all the metals to make these ornamental things. And I'm sure that they also taught them how to set gemstones into those, um, you know, the alchemy and the, and the ornamental metal that they would make.
1: I'm glad you're mentioning that. It kind of jumps forward a little bit with what I wanted to say. But what's interesting about the alchemy and the setting of gemstones is in scripture they're set in gold. Mm. And that's for the priestly garments. But also if we jump all the way to forward to Revelation 21, what you're gonna see is that gold could be is is used in scripture to to demonstrate purity and and righteousness the angel goes with a golden rod to measure the new jerusalem mm. and the new jerusalem is described not just with jasper but also with clear gold which is i had to google that one clear gold what'd you find i found that it would be very hard to make clear gold but it's possible mm. yeah it would have to be very very thin but it has all the properties that that could make it happen and you know the lord could do that
0: isn't there scripture uh, that talks about the streets of the New Jerusalem being transparent gold?
1: That's exactly that's exactly what, what I'm bringing up, oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Cool. Hmm. So, all
1: right. So after Satan is cast down and the gemstones that were covering him become enmeshed, I believe, at that point in the earth, all of these, like like you've heard in previous podcasts, sin just kind of begins covering the earth. Mm-hmm. And after sin covers the earth, after there's the flood and the first judgment, and after the nations come and fill the earth again, and then after the Israelites were free to slaves from Egypt, that's when God gives these instructions to Moses on how to adorn and dress the priestly class that will go in and offer sacrifices in the temple. Mm. And... Part of those instructions include these same gemstones that were first noted on on Satan as his covering.
0: Well, yeah. Well God created those gemstones. He absolutely So there's did. nothing really inherently bad or evil with gemstones that they're God's creation, right? It's just in how people use them or, or how they assign particular powers to them, I guess. That's like ex- rather than like you said. Um, it's not the gemstones that do the healing, it's the creator of the gemstones, if they believe in the creator.
1: That's exactly right. It's not the gemstones that are inherently evil. Um, In fact, it's that the gemstones oftentimes in scripture help Help us to understand how magnificent God is and what uh, sort of glory he gives off. Oftentimes when you see the Lord described in scripture, it includes descriptions of these exact gemstones to demonstrate his glory and his magnificence and his power. That's good. And so there's nothing inherently wrong with the gemstones. When the Lord asked Moses to create these priestly garments, he had Moses put 12 gemstones... Four row, uh, three rows of four, I think. Mm-hmm. And that in those rows, he put the, these gemstones that the Lord outlined, and that was called the breastplate of judgment as they went in before the sacrifice.
0: Hmm. I wonder if there's any connection between that and the judgment of Lucifer.
1: I believe there is. Sounds like it. Absolutely.
0: Sounds like it.
1: And so they take in this breastplate of judgment where they're adorned with these gemstones, the priests, to offer sacrifices. And part of the priestly garment is also two onyx stones on their shoulders that are inscribed with the 12 tribes of, of Israel. And the reason that those onyx stones are there, it says, is for a memorial Mm. For a remembrance. So you have this breastplate of judgment full of gemstones that ideally also covered Satan at one point before the fall. And then you have these onyx stones for the 12 tribes of Israel from which the promised Messiah would eventually come.
0: Mm. That's awesome.
1: I think it's pretty amazing.
0: And so where did we get, uh, where, did, where does this idea come from then uh, of using crystals and gemstones in a way that God never intended or never commanded anyone to use them.
1: I believe it is one of I believe it's one of Satan's ways of taking what God meant for good and purity and describe his glory and using it for sinister purposes and to take the glory away from God. Remember, Satan, he's not very creative. He's an imitator, he's a great imitator. And he'll take what the Lord already has created in and he fakes it. He's a big fake it till you make it kind of guy.
0: counterfeit, that's for sure.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm,
0: that's and, awesome.
1: so, and so just like the breastplate of judgment, what happens is a lot of these people that use the healing crystals or healing gemstones, they'll place them around their neck, imitation of the breastplate of judgment on the priest, mm. or place them, if they're ladies, in their bras. Imagine that. that. would, I think that's uncomfortable. And then they're also placing these Jasper necklaces on infants as it, it, mocking almost the onyx that were on the, the shoulders of the priest and almost mocking the breastplate of judgment, saying, See, Lord, look what I've taken.
0: Have you seen any of these things uh, cropping up inside the church?
1: I have. I mm. have. The easiest way to find them, like I said, is on the infants on the, with the jasper teething necklaces. Yeah, and then I also noticed that when we teach children about things that is not meant for Christians, such as um, looking into horoscopes, that the, the children already know about these horoscopes, and the horoscopes are connected right back to the gemstones.
0: Yeah, How, I mean, at some point people were using, and maybe they still do, crystals to try to Predict the future. I mean, we've heard crystal ball, right? But this Ab- is a little bit different. Absolutely. I mean, it's like they use crystals to predict the future. And, you know, there's a term for that, and it's called divination. Yes. And that's an abomination to God. He says, as a matter of fact, don't do it. Absolutely. Stay away from it. Mm.
1: Absolutely. It's a complete abomination. And I've actually seen women... Not here, not at the, not at Capstone. I haven't seen this at Capstone, but in other churches, I've seen women with crystal balls for that reason. You think it doesn't exist today, but it's still there. It's alive and well, and hiding right beneath the surface.
0: So, how do we how do we approach this subject if we see someone that we know is as a professed believer and they're wearing one of these? Uh, necklaces, uh, or maybe their infant has this necklace on it. I mean, what's that's kind of a touchy uh situation there, I would think. What What's the best way? What advice would you give?
1: I would tell you to write Pastor Paul and let him take care of it. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, ah,
0: that's the bus running over me. Go ahead. <laughs> so,
1: so, gently, gently, remember that God, um. Our God is full of mercy, Mm -hmm. and He's full of grace, and He wants us to come into a place of righteousness. He doesn't want anybody to to not walk in salvation and not walk in what He did for us with Christ on the cross. Mm -hmm. So first of all, remember, when you're seeing these things that... Jesus died for that person to have atonement from their sin. He good. feels very merciful and loving towards them. And so we always address it with love. And and I would start with, tell me about your necklace.
0: Good. That's good. Where did you get it? What's it for?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Get them to start doing some critical thinking on their own.
1: Absolutely. That's really good. How do you think that works when they lead into discussions about how the, the necklace works for teething pain or how the crystal that they're wearing will get them a better test or show them the future.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Um, you know, there, there are a couple of other things that uh, I see popping up in the church. What is that? Um This, uh, this new age, and, it, and it's been around for a long time. And, and if you're and if you're into these things, uh, I'm going to clarify a few, uh, a few things about what I'm about to talk about, which is yoga, mm. meditation, and mm. chakras. Uh, those, those, you know, some people say they're harmless. Um, some people say they are demonic and pagan. And so we're going to talk about that. Unless there's anything else about crystals that we need to, to talk about, because they'll intertwine here later on, I'm sure.
1: No, I'm interested in hearing about the chakras and the yoga and the meditation.
0: Okay, so we always get this big question, and I'm sure you've gotten this question too about yoga um, about, well, should we do it? Should we not do it? And what about meditation? And, you know, essentially what I like to do uh, on these kind of uh, scenarios is go back to the Apostle Paul and his explanation about being involved with different things that are of this world, that are of this world. And so we read in Romans 14, verse 19 through 21, this. This is Paul talking. He says, So then let us pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another, things which lead to spiritual growth. That becomes important a little bit later on. He goes on to say, Do not, for the sake of food, or yoga, or meditation, or chakras, or anything else, tear down the work of God. All things, indeed, are ceremonially clean. But they are wrong for the person who eats or participates and offends another's conscience in the process. It is good, then, to do the right thing and not eat meat or drink wine or do anything that offends your brother or sister and weakens them spiritually. Now we've used this before on another podcast that we did about Halloween and whether or not it's okay for Christians to participate in Halloween. And really, what it boils down to is if it if it's someone that you're that you're interacting with, if it violates their conscience, then don't do it. If it weakens their faith, then don't do it. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely.
0: But in this question of um yoga and meditation. I really believe that it depends on the motivation of the instructor, of the student, uh, of, the, of the people that are participating in, and the spiritual atmosphere surrounding the yoga and the meditation. In other words, what's going on in the studio.
1: Absolutely.
0: And, and I know that you and I, you and I talked a little bit before we started the podcast, and, and you had mentioned something about Uh, you've done some yoga and you've been into some studios. Tell me about that experience.
1: I have. I have done some yoga. And when you walk into these yoga studios, you can pick up what's happening and what type of spiritual atmosphere is there almost from the beginning. You can look around and you can see items from other religions. You can see um, items that you know if you've been around for a little bit of time, that don't lead to Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. Hmm. You pick that up pretty quickly uh, based on what's in the studio and also how your yoga teacher is addressing their students and how they're instructing their, inst- their students.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I think that if you walk into, and I really believe that if you're in tune, if, if, you're tune, if you've tuned your radio to the Holy Spirit, the second you walk into one of these studios, you're going, your your radar is going to be pinging, everything's going to be going off, red flags are going to go up everywhere, and that's the time when you just say, uh, "This is probably not the yoga studio I want to be a part of."
1: Absolutely. When you walk in, well, first of all, I've always checked out their website first. You can you can get a lot from a website and from Facebook posts. That's Good. But when I get to the studio. I'm especially the first time I'm looking around to see what I see. And if what I see doesn't, if it doesn't lead to Christ, if it doesn't lead to God, if it doesn't lead to holiness, then I am totally good with walking right back out the door and And sometimes, once you get into the class itself, you'll hear some of the things that the yoga instructor is starting to say that starts to really not sit right in the spirit. you know if it doesn't fit with scripture, and it's not just that it's earthly, it's gone past that hmm. and you know i you know for me, <laughs> if I'm bold enough to walk into a yoga studio wearing yoga pants and a yoga shirt, and if I'm bold enough to sit in there and maybe even fart during class, I'm also bold enough to get up and walk out when I realize that it's not somewhere I'm supposed to be.
0: Hmm. Well, okay. (laughs) You know, I've heard, though, that there are yoga classes that are Christian-oriented, and they do the physical exercises to strengthen their muscles and their core and and their tone, Um, and the instructors have their students focus on the goodness of God and Scripture while they're they're, uh, doing yoga, and they're entering into his peace through meditation. And they leave all that Eastern mysticism part out of it. Have you been into a studio like that?
1: I have. I have. So when I walk into a studio like that, what I'm going to see usually is I actually see crosses on the wall. I actually see scripture put up as part of their decoration. Um, It has a different vibe to it. It, You know what I'm saying? It just has a different vibe when you walk in. And you can also see physical evidence of it. Mm -hmm. And then once you get into the yoga, the way they lead you through the yoga poses, it just sounds different. They're not talking talking about chakras they're not talking really about grounding they're talking about getting gaining strength stretching your muscles making yourself strong in your body it they're not they're not talking about your third eye and your crown and your root
0: well okay so in my mind there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with that i just wish that we could come up with a different name rather than yoga because the word yoga itself is is connected directly to Hinduism and Buddhism and Jainism and other Indian polytheistic spiritual religions and practices. I just wish we had another name for it. And uh, I don't know what goat yoga is. I don't like, I don't even like thinking about being in a room with a bunch of goats. But it also seems like it's almost like a connection there as well when you start talking about the goat.
1: I've never participated in that, but after hearing you talk about goat yoga, I realized that I need to take back my Christmas present for you. (laughs) No no goat yoga for (laughs) Pastor Paul at Christmas.
0: Yes, uh, yeah, please. Um, And so here, I think, is a litmus test for whether or not a yoga studio is operating in a biblical manner, just so to speak. I think if the instructor is, instructor is combining spiritual elements of Hinduism and Buddhist and Christianity, I would say uh, leave and find another class to go to because there's plenty of them out there. And, you know, if, 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 you're, not being, if you're not able to find one that's, uh, that's operating in a Christian manner, then give us a call, give us a shout. Uh, send us an email, info at capstone.church and Stephanie will get back with you and, and let you know what she has found. Sound Absolutely. good? You Absolutely. okay with that? All right. And so some people say, well, you know, I go in there, and I'm not participating in the chakras, and I'm not participating in the uh, spiritual elements, the Eastern spiritual elements. Well, I'm going to tell you, even if you are a super strong Christian, you're still allowing the spiritual elements to operate in a space around you, and those elements open doors around you. And, and secondly, it's just not spiritually healthy to be in that type of environment. And I look at it like this. It's really no different than walking into a, a store that promotes Satanism or is, you know, selling uh, books about witchcraft and those kind of things. I mean... Yeah, you can stand in there, and you can be a strong Christian. You can say, I don't believe in that mess. I'm not going to participate. But yet you've put yourself in the presence of a spiritual area, a dark spiritual area. And I just don't think that that promotes spiritual growth in the Lord.
1: I don't either. I think that going into a yoga studio that promotes spiritual elements that are not of the Lord is a little bit like watching an R-rated movie and saying, I'll just close my eyes on the bad parts.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's a good. It's metaphor. still
1: going in. It's still affecting you, and it's still changing and altering the way that you think. I and here's the thing, Pastor Paul, Doctor Bailey always told me. but Doctor Bailey was somebody that taught me in seminary. He always taught us that people believe these things for a reason. They're not dumb. It's not that it's fake. It's that it. There's actually something there, mm-hmm. and they come to believe it because it. It's real, and what they don't get is the reason, the reason it's working, it's real, because Satan's powering it.
0: Mm. That's good, because I think a lot of people will equate the, the feeling, the physical effects, the, you know, the positive physical effects of, of, of doing these things, but yet what they're not realizing is they may be increasing the strength and the tone and, of their body, but they're decreasing the strength of their spirituality.
1: Yes. And, and there's also something that is said, there's a doctor in Harvard that's done a lot of study on, uh, on the effect of, of things that, oh, I forget the word. Let's see.
0: Placebo effect? Placebo
1: effect. Thank you. I, saw I have it. problems I, with that. I, I saw it
0: on your notes, I have to confess. <laughs> yep.
1: So the he's done a lot of study on the placebo effect. And with the placebo effect, what that means is that you use something that might not actually affect your body in a chemical way, and it still has a positive effect. So this doctor from Harvard said that when you give somebody a vitamin for their back ache and then their back stops hurting, that's, that's a placebo effect. It, mm-hmm. it actually didn't affect their back. It, it was the, the person just thought it did. Mm-hmm. And he said to go full force into the placebo effect, into those good feelings that you might get even in a negative spiritual experience, because all around it's just good for you. And, and, it, and it only matters what the intention was. So if the intention of yoga pagan yoga, or crystals, or pagan meditation, is to make you feel good, and it makes you feel good with the placebo effect. He says, go do it, because it only matters what the intention is. And I'm telling you that with real medicine and real exercise, the intention doesn't matter. When I go running, it doesn't matter if I intend to enjoy it or not. It's still good. It still makes my heart strong. It still makes my legs strong. The intention doesn't matter. When I take a Tylenol because I have a headache, the Tylenol doesn't care what my intention was. It still just works for my headache. If you're doing anything where the intention matters uh, to create a placebo effect, that's not good.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's uh, spiritual, uh, spiritually dangerous water, I would say. And you might wade out into it thinking that you're okay, but all of a sudden there's a drop-off and you're gonna be over your head pretty quickly. So let's talk about meditation for a second, because, you know, in some circles, meditation is, is kind of a bad word because it's been associated with this Eastern uh, Hinduism and Buddhist and, and these other polytheistic religions. But did you know the Bible itself talks about meditation? Uh, King David wrote, you know, a few Psalms about it. Uh, King Solomon wrote a couple of Proverbs about it, and it's even in the New Testament. It promotes meditating on God's Word. And David said that he wants to meditate on, on God's Word all day long. And so I don't think there's anything wrong about meditation. But as Stephanie pointed out, it depends on what the intention is. If your intention, if your intent on meditating is to draw closer to the Lord, hey, knock yourself out, more power to you. I hope you do that. We That's what we pray for. But if your intention is to somehow uh, become spiritually one with the universe, uh, you know, that's not the right kind of meditation that we want to get into. Um, Paul, the Apostle Paul, back to him again, he talks about, he talks about a form of meditation when he, he says in Romans chapter two, uh, do not be conformed to this world, but renew your mind. How do you renew your mind? Well, you do it through the meditation on God's word. Let, the, let God's word really sink in through meditation and into your heart. So that kind of meditation is awesome. Yes. Okay? But like I said, if you're meditating to find your inner peace through chakras and believing that you possess the power inside of you to heal yourself through meditation and through what's called tantras or mantras, then you're practicing Eastern Indian mysticism, and that is pagan. And it's... it's not what you want to be involved in if you are a true believer. Okay, make sense? So far. All right, so let's talk specifically about chakras because that's really kind of becoming a a sort of a cultural phenomenon, just like crystals. Oh, yeah. Um, Chakras are nothing new. They go way back. It's ancient. But they are starting to make a resurgence into the culture. And what a chakra is, um, it basically is describing... Uh, anywhere between four to 12 discs, wheels, per se, areas in the body, along the spine, some say, in the inner spiritual person, or what Hindus and Buddhists call the subtle body. Yes. Okay? A chakra is akin to a chant. And when you do this chant, what you're trying to do is you're trying to unleash and release these energies that operate within each one of these chakras. Oh, wow. I know, right? It's really kind of complicated when you get down to it, Um, and it can be confusing. So these discs, like I said, are located up and down the spine, and in ancient Eastern mysticism, they are focal points to meditate on. So what you would do is you'd get in the sitting lotus position, right, and you'd do the things with your, your fingers, and then you would start meditating and focusing on each one of these areas within your spiritual subtle subtle. Body and that goes all the way back, all the way back to early traditions in Hinduism. Oh, wow! Mm -hmm.
1: Wow, yeah, yeah, this is totally linked to yoga. You'll hear about this a lot in yoga, and you'll also, when you if you start looking at gemstones on scripture uh, in on the internet, you're going to find chakras really, really, really fast. Mm. And there's oftentimes different types of yoga that hooks into certain uh certain chakras. There's gemstones that you're supposed to use if you want to activate a chakra, which is supposed to be inside of you. I'm not sure why it would need to be activated if it's already there. Do
0: you think that has to do with rubbing the crystal on your forehead to activate that chakra in your mind, I ab- energy? I absolutely do. Do you think these kids that do that actually know that that's what it's doing? or?
1: I don't know. I, I know that they know a lot of stuff. And so they might intentionally be rubbing those crystals to activate the chakra in their mind. And, and that's kind of scary. It's one thing if they're falling into it in accident, but it's another thing if they actually know what's happening. Hmm. I think they might actually know.
0: I, I do, too. I don't think kids today are, are as naive as people think that they are. When I say kids, trust me, I don't mean goats. Uh, I, I used to get complained on all the time when I use the word kids. People <laughs> think, a kid is a goat. It's not a child. I understand. I'm talking about children, teenagers, our youth, our high schoolers, and even our young adults in college. I think they know well, very well, what they're getting into.
1: Absolutely. Hmm. I, most people don't think to grab a rock and rub it on their forehead in the middle of a test just That that just doesn't occur to people normally.
0: No, they had to have heard about it somewhere.
1: And they had to have been taught about it, either through a website or through other friend influences.
0: Or through a yoga instructor.
1: Or through a yoga instructor. And they will definitely, some yoga instructors are are all about teaching the chakra.
0: So I'd like to dig just a little bit under the surface about Hinduism and Buddhism, um, because there may be some watching or listening that really don't know what that is. Uh, They didn't... You know, they really haven't paid any attention to it. It's like, oh, I'm not one, so what do I care about it? Well, you should care, uh, because some of these things that we're talking about, yoga, meditation, and chakras, and crystals, and and gemstones, they all uh, have a connection to Hinduism and Buddhism and also Jainism, which is an ancient form of Hinduism. So these originate in the country of India, so when we talk about Indian religions, we're not talking about Native Americans to, you know, this country. We're talking about Indians from the country India. Now, these religions are polytheistic. They, that means that they have gods for everything. They've got more than one god. And together, Hinduism and Buddhism are considered the third largest religions in the world. Wow. So it would be Christianity, currently, uh, Islam. Yes. And then Hinduism and Buddhism combined.
1: Why do they combine them?
0: Uh, Because most people don't know that they're actually separate. Okay. They're separate denominations. Uh, They're separate. They have... They're parallel in their belief systems, but uh, they're not to be confused. Because if you call a Hindu a Buddhist, they'll fight you over it. If you call a Buddhist a Hindu, they're going to punch you in the face.
1: Not the same thing. Uh,
0: Which is funny, because in both of those, Hinduism and Buddhism, they teach (laughs) nonviolence. Anyway, so... Either way, they believe in reincarnation.
1: Mm. They
0: practice idol worship. They believe their ancestors come back. Uh, that's why in India you see a bunch of cows running around. They won't. They, they won't touch a cow. They won't move a cow. You can have a herd of cows sitting in the middle of the roadway, and nobody goes anywhere until those cows move themselves. They won't go out there and try to move the cows in order to you know further traffic along, uh, because cows are sacred over there. Um. Because they believe that they're the spirits of their ancestors, reincarnated. Uh, Hinduism and Buddhism and Jainism are spiritual. There is a polytheistic spirit behind it. It's not a spirit associated with Christianity, which is monotheistic. That means we believe only in one God, right? Okay. Now, get this. Here's something that I didn't know, um, and probably I suspect a lot of y'all out there don't know. Hindus and Buddhists, since they have many gods, they have thousands of gods. Did you know that they actually believe that Jesus is a god?
1: I had heard that.
0: They believe that Jesus is a god, but with a little G. Because like I said, they have thousands of gods for everything. And if there's not a god for what they encounter, they'll make one up. Wow. Out of thin air.
1: Just, just like, like that.
0: Well, it's like, there must, according to the Hindus and the Buddhists, then there's a god of this podcast. Now, according to me, there absolutely is, but it's Jehovah, it's Yahweh, amen, it's Yeshua. But to them, it's like, uh, you know, they'll make up a name and say, well, that's the God that that will either bless this podcast or curse it.
1: The podcast God.
0: The podcast God. Pod God. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get back to chakras. So according to Hinduism, uh, there are somewhere between four and 12 chakras in the body. That's what I've heard. Okay. And the body in their religion operates in two different dimensions, being the physical and the non-physical. So far, it sounds a little bit like, like you know, what we believe. The physical body itself um, is, is just referred to the body, but the non-physical body is referred to the subtle body. I've said that before earlier on. Well, that's what we're talking about. The subtle body represents that spiritual uh, body where the chakras are apparently located. And Hindus believe that they can release these spiritual energies located within each one of these 4 to 12 chakras in the subtle body. Get this. This is what they believe. I'm not making this up. This is their belief. Through yoga, Ooh. breathing, and chants, mantras. Yes. And all of those things are are called techniques, and they fall under this word tantra. Okay. Tantra, which is a technique in order that you do to release these energies. Now, there is a spiritual um, difference between this thinking and Christianity. Christians believe that we are a three-part being. Okay. We're a triune being. And we're made in the likeness of God, who is also a, a triune being. Yes. And this is where a lot of people get confused as far as non-believers. They think, well, how can you believe in only one God, but now you're saying he's triune?
1: Tell us about that.
0: Well, God has three personifications. Okay. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay. And we know that as the Trinity. And there's some people that say, well, the Bible doesn't teach that. Uh, wrong. The Bible does teach that. Um, we're not, this is not the podcast for that today. Maybe that's one in the future about the triune God and why it is absolutely in the uh, canonical Bible. So we, we, as a triune being, we consist of a physical body okay, a soul, okay, and is known as our consciousness, and a spirit. Yes. And Christians believe that the only way to release spiritual energies, and I'm using air quotes, spiritual energies, is to merge our spirit with the Holy Spirit of God.
1: Amen. Amen.
0: The only way to accomplish this is to surrender oneself over to the Lord Jesus and believe in him. Yes. Here's another big difference. Hindus and Buddhists believe that they can accomplish this, like I said, through yoga, breathing, and chanting, because they also believe that one of the thousands of gods that they worship resides in them, that they in and of themselves are also gods.
1: You know what that sounds like? What? They have a god, a little g, inside of themselves. That sounds a little bit like demonic
0: presence. Yeah, I would say so. And the only way to bring this inner God out uh, of these chakras and into their consciousness is through their own actions. They bring this about by their own actions. Therefore, even their little gods can't do this for them. They have to be able to do it for themselves.
1: So their little gods that are inside of them have to submit to them. Exactly. Wow.
0: And this is antithetical to Christianity and everything about Christianity and everything that Jesus taught about the God that we serve.
1: That's what I understand.
0: And his kingdom. So when I I say yoga, they use yoga. They use a specific form of yoga, and it's called uh, kundalini. Kundalini. Kundalini yoga. And it consists of using these mantras, these yantras, these tantras and yoga and meditation to awaken the kundalini energy located in one of these chakras. Now, I've used a couple of words here that you may not be familiar with. One of them is yantra. Have you heard of a yantra?
1: I've heard not of a yantra. I've heard of a mantra.
0: You talked about yantras when you were talking about walking into a yoga studio. Okay. A yantra is a mystical diagram.
1: Oh, I didn't know that's what they were called. Yes.
0: And they're used in worshiping deities of Hinduism. And so if you see any mystical diagrams or images or posters on the wall where you go to do yoga, you might consider finding a different class.
1: Is the yantra the ones with the with the circles on it?
0: It's more like it looks more like a a, a kaleidoscope.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. It
0: looks like a kaleidoscope. Now, a tantra, we talked about earlier, is a system of techniques used to weave the physical with the spiritual. In other words, through chanting and meditation, those are considered tantras, and the tantra has its origins strictly in Hinduism. And so, hopefully by now, hopefully by now, if you've been listening, all of these new age components, whether they're healing crystals, horoscopes, yoga, Meditation, mantras, jantras, and chakras have their roots and origins in paganism and polytheism.
1: I can I can see how.
0: Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, Stephanie. Maybe you do. I don't. I, I, I'm my memory is, is lacking. The older I get, but I don't recall the Bible the Bible ever telling us that gemstones or chakras are a source of healing.
1: No, it never never does. Hmm. I think it only gives one source of ultimate healing, and yeah. I think that's through the Lord.
0: Yes, and, and, and I don't recall, and maybe you can help me if I'm wrong, but I don't recall Jesus ever using gemstones or chakras to heal during his ministry on earth.
1: Not once.
0: Huh. I don't remember reading anywhere in the Old or New Testament that the prophets, disciples, or Jesus did yoga.
1: No, they did not.
0: Hmm. Well, as you said earlier, we know that Satan attempts to corrupt everything God has created. Right, God is our healer,
1: like you said.
0: He's our Jehovah Ropha. He is. All right. Crystals and gemstones are really ornamental, and they're used in the Bible and in the heavenly realm to do just exactly what you've been describing, to reflect God's glory.
1: To reflect God's glory.
0: And so when we talked about Lucifer in season one and who he really was and what his job was, he was the the cherub or the seraphim that was covered in these gemstones, and it was those gemstones that would actually do the reflecting of God's glory back toward God.
1: Just incredible,
0: isn't it? Okay. So, while yoga can be used in a non spiritual way, yes, to increase muscle strength, the other ele- elements of meditation and chakras are no substitute for the great physician.
1: No, they have they no. there's really no reason to use
0: them. Mm -hmm. So if you have any more questions or any questions or comments about uh, what you've heard today on this podcast, please just send us an email, info at capstone, I couldn't even say it, info at capstone.church. And we do respond to all of our emails and we try to respond to all of your comments that you leave. We'll give you either a thumbs up, a heart, I never give thumbs downs, or I'll actually comment in a reply on YouTube so with that I think that we're at the end
1: we are we are of
0: this episode Stephanie I just want to thank you so much for being here well and, thank you and Paul for, for providing your insight
1: a lot thank you for allowing me to be here
0: it was awesome and um you know you, you talked a lot about things about gems and crystals that I had not heard before and I will definitely be keeping my eyes open um and if I do encounter someone wearing them I'm going to send them to you
1: Hmm,
0: okay? All right. well God bless you out there and as always, remember, be sure that you're staying in the word and that you're staying in God's uh, <laughs> presence and you're keeping your eyes open in order to not be deceived. All right? All right. Bye y'all. We love you. God bless you <laughs>